and you should hear something telling you that it's being recorded. Okay. Yep. Hearing yeah. you loud and clear. All right. Great. Um, you can swear if you want. It's up to you. Hold back. If you, don't it's want a, to. <laughs> you can oh, swear that, if you that, want. That's fucking great. Yeah, there you go. George fucking Armstead, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. For this week's episode, we have an interview with George Armistead. Armistead, a birder since the age of nine years old, has a long history in connecting people with nature through ecotourism and expedition travel. Currently, he is Chief Network Officer at Rock Jumper Worldwide Birding Adventures, which operates birding tours, photographic tours, and wildlife safaris to over 100 countries. A professional birding guide with 20 years of experience, George has led trips to all continents and authored two books on birds, including Better Birding, Tips, Tools, and Concepts for the Field, and the ABA Field Guide to the Birds of Pennsylvania. Scott and Sean talked with George about his experiences as an international birding guide, his local urban patches in Philly, and his gunstock scope. We hope you enjoy the episode. Cool, man. Well, thanks for coming on uh, Foul Mouths. You're our second guest. Um, We just had Jesse Gordon, the infamous Instagram photographer, um on the show that was super fun we're psyched to have you in uh you'll be the you're the first guide the first lots of things i think so we're looking forward to hearing some of your stories Um, nice yeah i'm looking forward to to chatting about birding with you guys today cool man um so uh start us off where where did it all begin i think you're you said something about starting at nine years old yeah, so I come by it pretty honestly. Uh, my dad is also a birder, oh, nice. um, and he is, well, he's almost 80 now, uh, but he started when he was seven, um, so he's been at it a long time. He got wow. he kind of tried to get me going for a couple of years, uh, and then finally, you know, at the age of nine, <laughs> it took hold. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, and I never really looked back. There was like... There was a period there in like sort of freshman year of college where my birding kind of uh, was at its l- lowest. But aside from that, um, what were, you know, what replaced four, it? Yeah, what replaced it there? Yeah, was probably uh, freshman year of college. As you can imagine, there were many distractions. <laughs> girls being probably primary among them. Yeah, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Where, where did you go to college? Uh, I have a long and storied college career, but it began at University of Maryland. Um, And then uh, I ended up actually doing birding field jobs for a couple of years before completing school uh, eventually here in Philly, University of Pennsylvania. Oh, nice. So are you from Philly originally? I am. Yep. Born and bred. And uh, so you're a Mets fan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Phillies are playing right now. Actually, from what I understand, they're doing pretty well. You can watch yeah, them if you, if you need to. Well, I was I was going to ask you what you thought of um, what you thought of the Bryce Harper deal and whether you were there for his first Grand Slam yesterday versus the Cardinals. So this is bird related. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, the Cardinals pretty routinely kick our ass, even yeah. even even more so than the Mets. Um, you know, the Mets we have a pretty good rivalry with, uh, but uh, the Cardinals pretty routinely kick our ass. We did not. Uh, I did not get to see the game yesterday, but I, I'm a Bryce Harper fan. I mean, you know, uh, 
I I was I was I'm glad they brought him in. I think it was the right thing. I was I was kind of uh, hoping they would they would get him, and it's a lot of money, but and it's a lot of time. But uh, you know, he walks just every game, and I think he's I think he's going to be a good player for us for a good good stretch. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be 58 years old by the time his contract is done. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yep. No, no 53. Oh, oh, yo, you age yourself there yeah, a little I, bit, yeah, buddy. Well. <laughs> Careful. What are the chances that Bryce Harper gets taken out by a, a bald eagle at some game? Like, it seems to be the common maybe, these days. Yeah, maybe, you know, right next door we have the Philadelphia Eagles and the and our mascot there, Swoop. Maybe Swoop will come in oh. and uh, take, take a swipe. Oh, we can only Bryce hope. Harper. All right, so <laughs> before we actually get to, to birding proper, I mean, we are now talking about the Eagles. <laughs> oh, uh, here, here it comes. Yeah. Uh, so our uh, our son James, his middle name is Nicholas, after after Nick Foles. Um, <laughs> oh wow! So wow, so, that's beautiful. So what do you think of uh, just wh- what do you think of the of the Nick Foles of the Nick Foles uh, being let go, going to the Jaguars? I, you know, I was I was a huge Nick Foles fan. Love Nick Foles. He'll be a folk mm-hmm. hero in Philly forever. Yeah. Um, but I think the team made the right call. I, you know, like it's hard to it's hard to not want to see what Carson Wentz can do. And uh, I think a lot of it had to do with our third string quarterback Nate Sudfeld. Mm-hmm. Every at the time, now he's our backup. And a lot of people think he could be just as good as Nick Foles. Mm. Um, so. You know, it was tough to say goodbye to Nick Foles because he really, you know, the city had a special connection with him. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I'll never forget being out on Broad Street, you know, after that Super Bowl, mm-hmm. screaming big big dick Nick like mm-hmm. everybody else in the crowd. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> you know, it, was, it, it was a hell of a night, and, uh, and he nearly even kind of almost pulled it off again last year. Yeah. So it was it was yep. tough to say goodbye to him, but uh, but it sure did end pretty well. Yep. All right. So last last Nick Foles related question. <laughs> uh, Nick Foles, greatest quarterback in Eagles history. <laughs> oh my I God. don't think you could say that. I don't like. <laughs> Come you on. Know, who 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 won? I, who won? Who has the uh, the 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 postseason record? And the MP 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 three MP three of the Super Bowl MVP of the Super Bowl <laughs> yeah. and a super and the first Super Bowl win for the Eagles. I think I think the argument can be made. I don't buy it. He never actually played a complete season for the Eagles. Um, while while he again, I have no problem with Nick Foles, huge Nick Foles fan, but I think you still got to give it to Donovan McNabb for the time being. Um, I think everybody hopes and expects Carson Wentz might be better. Hmm. But uh, but I think you still got to give it to McNabb. As 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 difficult a relationship as the city has had with Donovan, hmm. I think you still got to you look at his numbers and how long he did it for. And I think yep. you have to say he's our best quarterback ever. Wait, Scott, are you where are you from? Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> Them's fighting words. Uh, I I I grew up mostly in a small town in western Lancaster County called Mount Joy, Ooh. Mount Joy, Pennsylvania. Oh yeah, yeah. Good nice. Amish that's that's good birding home, country out there. Home of Boob, uh, Boobies Brewery. Oh, Boobies yeah. Brewery. named wow. after named after the blue-footed booby. Wow, I had that's, no idea. You don't that's see a false many, bird fact. You don't. <laughs> Son of a I bitch. suspect I might hear a few more of those. Today. But we'll but <laughs> it is it is called Boobies Brewery. 
<laughs> just I, okay it's yeah. named after the the other i, I guess the proprietary gotcha. yeah. The, yeah the okay. proprietor jim booby oh he's a good guy <laughs> i don't know gotcha. that yeah. makes a little more sense yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now you could you see so you could have a second career in, in sport talk here just t- yeah. talking about the philadelphia athletics there uh oh, i'm dying, yeah. I'm dying. i don't know anything about no, that's any okay the, the athletics I know were that, a philly team i i'm gonna say something that's super right. controversial and right. uh, the philadelphia flyers can suck it so that's all i got <laughs> for you well you know, george you want to you want to get him or should i i mean he's within reach for me physically I'm gonna say i like more than any i've probably been to more flyers games than any other team in philadelphia <laughs> mm. um, whoops yeah <laughs> my team just got knocked out last night i'm, I'm a little bitter but ron hextall well, was, least, was the shit so yeah he was uh, at least your team was in it the flyers have been pretty pretty tough to watch <laughs> the last few years Oof. is this yeah. curling we're talking about again yes curling yeah okay yeah, curling precisely yeah. all right full impact so um <laughs> Back to birds, I guess. Or is that what sure. we're going to talk about? Um, I think <laughs> so. You <laughs> you've been guiding for like twenty years, right? Something like your yeah. whole, your whole life, pretty much. Yeah, I so I worked full time as a guide for ten years, and then um, moved to the American Birding Association, where I was events program manager for um, five and a half years, and now I've been at Rock Jumper. Uh, for three years. And, uh, and, and so I, you know, I've been guiding that whole time. These days, I'm a little bit more of a desk jockey mm. than uh, a guide, but, uh, but I still guide a number of trips per year. Um, uh, like later this year, I got a Columbia trip and, and an Antarctica trip. Those oh, are my two big trips. That's right. This year. Sorry about that. Yeah. It's a real study in contrast. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Biodiversity at its max <laughs> versus Antarctica. Yeah, exactly. So. Oh, yep. man. Have you been to Antarctica before? Yeah, this, this will actually be my third time, both to uh, Columbia and to Antarctica. Oh, wow. So, have you, yeah. what, I mean, Columbia saturation biodiversity is insane right so or how yeah what are you what are you looking at going into columbia what are you trying to get yeah i mean you're right i mean columbia is ridiculous it's like it's got more bird species than any other country on the planet um they're almost they're almost to 2000 i think they might be still a few dozen short but they'll get there yeah um and so yeah i mean it's you could argue that it's like a fifth of the bird species on the planet um it's nuts and yeah you know we're we're looking for a lot of the iconic stuff uh for me i like toucan barbet is like one of these birds that is just so strange and beautiful looking and it's one of two species in its family i always like the taxonomically distinct stuff mm-hmm. um so that is like one of those birds i look forward to seeing um Gian, i'm sorry andean cock of the rock which is you know in the katinga family <laughs> crazy, crazy thing awesome bird name you know um and uh you know just sort of a clown-like thing that's like a crow-sized orange bird hopping around in the jungle making weird sounds it's exactly um, what i pictured you know, when you said yeah. its name <laughs> but in its defense it didn't get to choose its name i suppose that's true yeah i'm not actually even sure the origins of that name uh they do, they have this sort of big puffy bunch of feathers that actually covers the whole bill you can't you, typically you can't see the bill on a cock of the rock 
Hmm. Like they just, the beak is totally covered by feathers. So maybe that has something to do with it. It's, it's really the only bird I can think of that's like that. Um, Fully intact. There's two species. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's one. The other thing in Colombia is they have about 160 species of hummingbirds, which is more than any other place in the world. Good God. So there's just like, yeah, it's nuts. There are, and there's, you know, and the hummingbirds there, you got things like booted racket tail and violet tailed sylph and, you know, shining some sunbeams. They, they, these are all like birds that have great names and also look amazing. I defy anybody to look at a booted racket tail and not just be, you know, in utter, utter shock at what a marvel it is. Um, so that's, there's, there's so much to look at. It's hard to zero in, but there's a few things there that hummingbirds, cock of the rock and, uh, uh, toucan barbets, pretty good start. So, so how long ago was your first trip to Columbia and has anything changed in the birds that you're seeing or, or the environment around them? You know, Columbia is such a, it's one of these places that, you know, some countries you can kind of go to and see most or most of the birds you want even in one trip. Columbia is not like that because it's got like, you know, five mountain ranges and it's got Amazonia. It's got the Llanos. Uh, it's, it's got the Santa Marta range, which is this ancient mountain range. That's complete. That's actually distinct from the Andes. Um, I am like, I've done three, this will be my third trip and I feel like I'm scratching the surface. Um, and my first trip was only in 2014, I believe it was. Uh, and that was to the Santa Marta's and the Caribbean North. Um, and, uh, you know, back then, one of the things that wasn't happening was the mass exodus of people from Venezuela. Mm -hmm. Um, so people that get, you know, I'll be going there on this upcoming trip. I'm sure that'll be quite different is there'll be a lot of Venezuelans trying Mm -hmm. to get away from the mess that there mm-hmm. is right now going on in venezuela yeah um so and it's and colombia really just opened up for tourism like as far as like eco travel and stuff is that like that's concerned right in the last couple of years it wasn't really yeah. safe before that for you know to travel through necessarily i guess it's i guess it's probably not totally fair to say but to the outsider safe is safe is you know relative in that respect so yeah people People joke that, you know, you come for the coffee and you stay for the cocaine, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, it's been pretty safe now for eight, nine years, really. I mean, you know, since, yeah, since about like 2009, 2010, people have been going all the time. Right. Um, prior to that, people didn't go. It just wasn't safe. And, um, and there's still like a couple remote places that it's not really advisable to go. Um, but overall it's, you know, people ask me, they're like, is it safe? I'm like, I live in Philadelphia. Like, <laughs> you know, like it's definitely safer than walking through parts of, of Philly. I had um, a gun pulled on me in Philly. <laughs> I totally, yeah, I would yeah, rather go to, I think I'd rather go to Medellin. <laughs> I pulled a gun on a guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I, I did go to Medellin last year and it's one of my favorite cities I've ever visited. Nice. Um, it's like the street arts and good birding. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it is, it, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. There's a lot to see there. And, um, and yeah, I, I'm, I've, one thing, like I've been twice and I feel like I have a million Colombian friends. 
Like, mm. Homians are so friendly. They're so enthusiastic. I think they're also like, like you say, they suffered through years of uh, upheaval there. I think everyone's kind of just glad that that seems to be more or less in the past. Mm. And and also there's a huge birding movement there. It's amazing. And, and in contrast to the states where for so long birders have tended to be kind of older, in Colombia it's, it's like all people's teens, 20s, 30s, 40s. Um, that are really, really getting into birding fast. And because of all the upheaval, there's lots of habitat that was never developed. So yeah. the government is actually really investing in birding tourism um, because they realize that's one thing that they can offer. Um, so it's a pretty exciting place to go at the moment. Wow. And then you're in Antarctica. That That's kind of wild. I know, what is that, like super weather dependent on what you're going to see and whether even you have access to, like, do you get on the mainland? Are you just, like, cruising ships around the edges? Like, how does that work? I, I thought it was, like, yeah, only scientists so, really go, so. Right, yeah, like, there's, like, people are, like, you know, who who runs it there? And, it, and it, like, it is a, it's a treaty of, like, 50 countries that uh, basically have agreed to um, not have any military presence, but they, but that have, um, scientific research basis. Um, the trips that the sort of standard birding trip departs either from Punta Arenas in Chile or Ushuaia in Argentina, mm-hmm. and then heads actually nearly due east um, for a couple of days to reach the Falkland Islands. Yep. You usually spend two or three nights there, then head south to South Georgia Island, which I would advance is actually, you know, well, it's, I would say it's one of the most amazing you know, places to go as someone who likes natural history in the world. It's just like teeming with penguins and, and, and elephant seals and, you know, glaciers and cliffs and dramatic scenery uh, and great seabirds. And then from there you work your way south. And then it is, as you sort of suggest, you know, pack ice starts to become a factor and you have to kind of figure out, because, you know, everybody on these things, is, it's an expensive trip, and everybody there has paid a lot of money, and, and a big part of it is to set foot on the continent. Mm. Um, and there's no real guarantee that, that any one trip will do it, but I would say probably over 90% do succeed. Oh, wow, that's great. Um, yeah, so hopefully that will be the case with our trip this year as well. And we're going a little bit early trying to find the emperor penguin, which is a very difficult bird to see. Um, so we're going a little bit early in the season. It's also a little better than for seabirds too. So should be good. So what are the kind of people that, that go with you on that expedition? Uh, it, it sounds like you sort of would have to be good at things like hiking and have snow boots and things like that. <laughs> am I, am you know, I, am I off base there? A little bit. Um, it's actually, you know, generally, uh, while I think this is changing over the years, um, people that go on birding trips tend to be people with some time and some money. So they tend to be a little bit on, you know, the older side. Um, but the, we're, we're seeing this change. The market seems to be skewing younger, younger and younger, uh, all the time. So, um, but I, I would say, you know, these trips really, Antarctica is a little bit challenging just because you have to get in and out of zodiacs. And you, that means that you have to be fairly able bodied. Uh, and you, you know, while you're at sea, you can in, encounter pretty serious, um, 
overseas. So, you know, you have to be reasonably able-bodied, but there's not like, you know, we don't have like crampons and stuff and are hiking around on glaciers or anything like that. Mm. Um, mostly we keep to the shore edge where the birds are. Um, so it's not, it's not too rigorous. You ever lose anybody? Anybody <laughs> overboard? <laughs> Thank God, no. Uh, no one's ever taken a I big do, dip? <laughs> no, but I know, I know folks in the business that have had that happen on trips that they were leaving. Um, yeah, I, I know of several such. Inc- yeah, it's that, that's a really bad that, Yelp rating right there. Yeah. Oh, Lost at sea, yeah. one star. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, you found that so that's, that bodes well. That's a pretty good rating in, in reality. <laughs> that one guy that fell overboard gave you a one star, but he survived. One star. So, that's right. wish right. I could give zero yeah. stars. Um, so, I mean, you're going to some of the everybody's dream places. I mean, I think I would probably, I would sell a body part for a trip to Antarctica. I think. Um, do you have uh, dream spots that you haven't been yet? Yeah, quite a few. Um, while I've traveled a lot, I've done a lot of repeat trips, uh, yeah. um, which is great. I mean, I love sort of peeling back the layers on a place, but it also means that, you know, there's a finite amount of time in the course of a year, so you can't always get to the places you want. But probably my number one, the number one trip that I want to do is this Namibia-Botswana trip that goes to the Namib Desert, uh, Atasha National Park, uh, in Namibia and then the Okavango Delta in Botswana, hmm. uh, which is the largest wetland in the world, I think. Well, maybe after the Amazon, uh, or you know, and I think the, I think the Pantanal is the second largest in Botswana, and the Okavango Delta is the largest. But at any rate, you know, it's it would be all the big charismatic animals, beautiful scenery, remote, long overland drives and jeeps, um, camping. Uh, to me, it kind of has all the elements that one would want uh, in a sort of a you know a dream nature travel experience. Mm-hmm. And I've also never been to Brazil. I'd really, really like to go to Brazil. It's, that's another place where you can sort of endlessly peel back the layers. Yeah. Uh, so I'd, I'd really like to go to the Pantanal in Brazil. I'd like to go to that the, the Atlantic Forest where there's so many endemic birds and uh, they're disappearing all the time. I was going to say um, it's sad to say that Brazil is. Uh... Brazil's disappearing there a little bit. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's true. That's true of a lot of these places right now, which is crazy. It's it's it's. I think it's a, still so important that there's companies like you know Rock Jumper that are sending people places because it, it's just increasing awareness and hopefully people that can afford to go to Antarctica can also afford to throw some cash at at conservation societies and things like that. Yeah. There's certainly a lot of that, and you know that's that's a lot of what I do is uh, I work with our, our conservation partners, uh, many of who would be the first to tell you that that what they need in a lot of these areas are tourism dollars. They need people that want to go there to see nature, uh, and that means that there will be local infrastructure, you know, local guides, hotels, businesses to support these tourism uh, operations coming in. Um, now, obviously, everybody wants to be responsible about their tourism, but of course. Uh, um, but yeah, no, birding tourism is hugely important for conservation. It's one of the things I really value about being able to do what we do. And so, 
does do you work with companies uh, to develop programs with different countries, like like up and coming countries, countries with like a maybe like a developing tourist board or or infrastructure like that? Do you is that something that Rock Jumper does or ABA or anybody like that? Yeah, I mean it's something we do. We like for instance we have a, a program with National Audubon uh, called Impact Adventures where. Uh, we're, where we're really trying to funnel um, groups into these areas that are fantastic birding areas that not everyone has necessarily heard of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and trying to, because they Audubon has a program where they've trained up guides and people in hospitality in these areas, you know, hoping that ecotourism will kind of be the answer to sustainable business and sustainable tourism there for for the foreseeable future. Uh, so I'm, I'm like one of the trips I'm really trying to get going is a Paraguay trip. No one goes to Paraguay, you know, and there's there's like no endemics there. There's like no endemic birds, but there's all sorts of really cool habitats. Um, and they have sort of this trained, you know, um, in, this infrastructure and, and, and bunch of people that have been trained up to receive uh, tourists, ecotourists, and they, they haven't really yet. Um, there's been a few trips, but not many. So, you know, that's one of the things, that's just one example. Uh, we have, you know, Columbia is another place where we definitely work with local NGOs and the government um, to try and foster more uh, birding, birders traveling to Columbia. Sure. Um, so, yeah, there's a number of places. There's so much going on. It's, pretty, it's exciting in a way. You just hope that, you know, enough land and is protected along the way, that there'll still be some birds to look at uh, a few decades down the line. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate that you know civil unrest is like a common common thing in in South Africa, South America, and uh, and Central America there. So it's you know it's always knowing that there are people that are willing to go to bat like it to this level is 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 huge. And <clears throat> I think I think it's about time that you know birding in the U.S. sort of is it's a it seems like it's it's getting ready to explode a little bit and and I'm hoping mm-hmm. that, that that's going to bring a lot of dollars in you know there's a lot of millennials that aren't doing stuff still living still living at home with fucking tons of cash so maybe yeah. they'll start thro- <laughs> throwing at places it deserves to go for once. hoarding yeah hoarding there's... their money that's right <laughs> they do and they do travel like the statistics yeah. show that millennials travel a lot I mean what um, else are you going to do and... when you're living at home. <laughs> that's right yeah might as well get out and see some stuff damn right um so let's get off a of rock jumper because we just talked a lot about them and they sound awesome and hopefully somebody's listening that's going to jump on one of these tours too so yeah get in cool. touch with george um so let's move on to this other really rad thing that you do which is books you're writing books you wrote the like the birders guide to philly am am i right uh pennsylvania pennsylvania jeez you went on Mm -hmm. you went the whole fucking state (laughs) it's a big state man (laughs) (laughs) i've driven across that state it's really fucking big it takes a long time yeah it really does yeah yeah how is that yeah how do you write a book about a state that big and like yeah well yeah that you know i have to say i i i would love to like I have like three more books I would love to pursue. Uh, my current situation is such that I am not sure when I will have a chance to do another book. I would love to do a book 
you know, specifically on the birds of Philadelphia. I think that'd be a ton of, uh, a ton of fun to do. You know, it's, it's where my heart is. You know, I know that every nook and cranny, like the back of my hand, I would love to try to, you know, uh, put, put the, all of that information in someone's hands and say, Hey, you can go out and sell a bunch of cool stuff right here in the city. I'd love to do that. Hmm. The Pennsylvania book was a ton of fun. And I have to say the publisher was great. Uh, the editor, George Scott, I first, the first iteration of a draft that I handed to him was bordering on an embarrassment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was really badly done in retrospect. Uh, and, and George Scott, who is a great dude in New York from Scott and Nick's, um, you know, found a way to tell me that without kind of destroying my uh, psyche. Um, and we ended up putting together something that I think was really good. Um, and yeah, you know, I think if, if Pennsylvania is, were, in a way, it's not as insurmountable as some other states, like, you know, Texas or California, you know, you, you're dealing with many, many more birds. Um, initially, George had said he was hoping to do like around 250 species. And I said, you know, rather than do all the birds that have ever occurred in Pennsylvania, <laughs> to have a book that is for the lay person that can say, all right, you know, I saw a bird in Pennsylvania. I want to identify it. So there, you know, there's like, I think there's 420 or 430 species now on the Pennsylvania checklist. And, uh, and so we stuck to birds that basically breed every year or are annual in occurrence. Hmm. Uh, and so that, that simplified it. And I think make, make it a much more useful book for the lay person. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was fun to write. I mean, it's, you know, it's fun to try to find colorful ways to describe little creatures that you love, like a family member, you know, hmm. um, it's, I, I would love to be able to do that every day, all the time. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Oprah hasn't picked it up for her book club yet. And <laughs> I haven't made uh, millions on bird books, but I would, I could just do it all the time. I grew up around bird books. My dad is both a birder and a librarian. So oh, wow. he has about 4,000 4, bird books in his library. Uh, collector. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I hope you get some more free time. I'm looking forward to, like, the Kensington Guide to the L for birders. <laughs> that would be a fun one to write, yeah. Actually, you know, my latest favorite birding place in Philly is Independence Hall. Right, right, right at Independence Hall, right behind the Liberty Bell there. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Uh, right, there's tons of songbirds that pitch in there. Hmm. Um, pretty fun to go birding right there. Like they call a, it the bird place of the nation. Is it a trap? Like, what? what's the, how does that, like, is it like a migrant trap of some sort? How, what's, yeah, what's bringing it, them there? It's sort of like Central Park. Like, it's like a miniature Central Park. Okay. Kind of. Like, you know, you're in a super urban area. You got, like, like kind of four blocks of green space all of a sudden. So, you know, if you're a songbird and you're flying north in May and it's night and all of a sudden daylight hits and you're thinking, there's Cooper's Hawks and Peregrine Falcons around it and it's getting hot. I better, you know, I, I need to get out of the sky. That might be your closest bet. Um, so it, it is, it's sort of a trap, it's sort of a migrant trap. Well, plus that's, that's right around old city. There's a lot of good restaurants. It, that's true. From a tourism <laughs> perspective, they couldn't do much better. Yeah. It's that's a absolutely lot. To, true. There's a lot on offer. <laughs> Morning warblers <laughs> getting <laughs> their coffee. Yeah. That's right. Um, you got yeah. good birds there. What's the what's your what's the best bird there right now? What you what have you been seeing? Um, I haven't had anything really unusual there. 
just like good numbers of migrants. But I will say that uh, one of my colleagues here in Philly had a cerulean warbler there the other day. Wow. Um, which is a bird that used to breed in Philly. Well, my, the first one I ever saw, you, they nest on the outskirts of Philly, uh, but that hasn't been true for 20, so 20 years or more. Jeez. Uh, but I haven't actually seen one in, in, the, in the city proper for, I don't know, since the early 90s, something like that. Um, so that was pretty good. That's probably the best bird that's been seen in Independence Hall so far that I know. Wow. It's sort of a, it's sort of like a little nugget to explore. People haven't really birded that much until the last couple of years. That's funny. There's not too many others that people would uh, talk about realistically. It would you have Kirtland's maybe like, mm. uh, or like some really yeah. wayward says Phoebe or something like that shows up. Uh, I mean, Cerulean's yeah. Cerulean's about as, as uh, badass as it gets in that respect. So. I think so. They're serious eye candy. We just had our first, uh, Scott and I both just saw our first here in New Haven and East Rock Park. And I think maybe it was only like the second record of the species that came through somehow. Um, We Mm. have some nesting uh, regions in the state, like three, probably three or four different spots where they nest, but in really small Uh numbers. Um, but it was yeah. really cool to see it come through. The whole the whole place erupted because <laughs> there was a cerulean warbler. So right. it was pretty remarkable, and yeah. it showed off, which was unreal. So. And it showed off that, on it showed off on Global Big Day. Yeah, yeah, it was so awesome. That's even better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really so cool. often those things, you know, people you you try to search after them, try to get news, and they're way up high, and really all you see is the belly. Mm-hmm. Um, if you actually get to see the blue above. That's really in blue. That's that is pretty special. We got to see all of it. It was mm-hmm. the whole bird eating, singing, it, the whole nine yards. It was un, un- Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and it was there for a couple of days. It stuck around. Everything seems to uh, seems to have left as of like Monday, Tuesday. So uh, today was a little bit dead down there. We yeah. took a sweep. Yeah, was, well, hopefully it, this wave is coming for you. I hope we so. Had today. I, I hope so. It's a. It's it was it, we haven't seen any black poles yet, so it's it, it it feels like it's not it can't be over until the black poles show up. So exactly, yeah. yeah, they're a little bit of a later migrant, and they tend to arrive in force. It seems like it feels that way. Last year it was the same. It was like them and the bay-breasted warblers all showed up, and then it was over. It was just dead one day. Nothing, nothing going yep. on. So <clears throat> gone as quickly as they arrived. Um, so. I we met we met up at the Acadia Birding Festival you and I and that on that yeah. one walk that was totally random but it worked out really well um you you have like good stories that you tell like while walking what we give us give us something you talk about that <laughs> ridiculous the gunstock spotting scope or whatever you got <laughs> I'll tell you about that gun that gunstock spotting scope is actually pretty interesting in that. Um, that's my father's, that picture, I, I posted a picture of myself when it was 1991, we were on the Texas coast. It was my first time in Texas. Um, and my dad took that picture of us. We were out on the road and anytime people would see me with that thing, they would think it was an actual firearm and start <laughs> yelling things at me, which is always interesting. And I, I would try to explain them as a telescope and they just, you know, weren't, weren't hearing it. And so, yeah, I mean, my dad, my, my dad found that, um, uh, that exact telescope in tripod uh with a tripod on like in the surf on a beach in oregon he was on his honeymoon with my mom and and, uh they were doing a just a walk on the beach and he found you know here's washing up on shore is this scope and a tripod fast forward like 
I think it was in the mid late eighties. Um, my dad is at a co- is at a cocktail party in DC talking to a guy who is from Oregon and they start chatting and my dad's like, yeah, you know, I've been birding in Oregon actually one time. I, I found this scope washed up on the beach and they were able to figure out through the timing, through the scope and model and the model of the tripod that this was this guy's scope. Shut my dad up. had found like 20 years earlier. Holy shit. Um, yeah. So that was a pretty crazy coincidence. Did you return um, it to him? You know, it had been so long, the guy was like, you know what? Keep it. Oh, and, good. Uh, yeah. the, the, the tripod was toast. The tripod was toast. The, the salt water had done it in. But, but the, uh, but yeah, the scope was still in pretty good shape. Uh, and we, have, we don't really use it anymore, but, uh, <laughs> but it probably is usable. That's, uh, the photo is so funny. It's just like slung over your shoulder like a, like a, a Red Rider BB gun or something like that. <laughs> it took me a minute to realize what was going on in the, in the photo. Yeah, so funny. I used to think it looked pretty badass, I got to say. I thought, it, <laughs> I thought it was a pretty badass piece of equipment that, uh, to haul around. It, it, honestly, it didn't even really work that well. Like The way it was taped on the, on the, on the gun stock, I had to like really strain to get my eye into it it was like it wasn't even that useful i just thought it looked cool it just went with the raccoon skin <laughs> cap <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> that's awesome that thing is so funny um i i don't know if if who if anybody's listening it's uh, friends with george and you haven't seen this photo yet you should definitely look it up because it's it's awesome we i don't even know yeah, that well ridiculous. i was laughing so we should link to it on the blog on the blog page yeah we'll do that yeah, we'll yeah i can send you that yeah We'll figure out. Yeah, no, that, that thing was a fun, fun piece of equipment uh, to use, and it certainly, it certainly got attention back then, and even now. Yeah, it should probably not come out now, though, right? I mean, the 1980s seems like a time when you could just roll around with a gun and nobody really cared. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now it's sort of like maybe things that look like guns. I don't know. Maybe in still. Philly, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> still okay. Part of Philly. Yeah, nobody would bat an eye. Yeah. There's a few neighborhoods. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Useful on that on that uh, birders got to the Kensington L <laughs> tour. <laughs> oh my god! Definitely uh, get some attention. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um. So we're trying to reach to like this newer audience of people, new birders, trying to open up some lanes for some folk because you know it tends to be a little bit difficult to sort of get in. I think as a like walking into a group of birders as a new person yeah. ask it's hard to ask questions it's hard to you know you get a lot yeah. of scowls because a lot of people are so attentive to what's going on and all of that do you have uh what's your what's your number one piece of advice for a new birder coming into the game yeah i think you're absolutely right that that uh birders are a funny bunch i mean i you know this i'm so inside it it's it's uh um you know, I, 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 but I, I, like most of my friends are not birders, you know, like I obviously have a ton of birding friends, but, you know, I feel like I see it from both sides pretty well where, you know, it, you see people when you're out someplace birding where there are just happen to be other people and they, you can tell they're curious. They want to know yeah. what's going on. They might even want to see what you're seeing, but they are hesitant um, sometimes to, you know, just to, to try to kind of see what's happening. So, yeah, I, I, my favorite thing is 
you know, as a birder, is if I have a scope, try to share it with people. You know, get people looking through a scope. It's something they've never looked before, and that can be a real eye-opening moment. Uh, for people that are trying to break into it, I would, you know, you hear people all the time say, I'm not a birder, but, uh, or, you know, <laughs> I'm not curious about it, but, and it's it's somehow, I don't know how it evolved, but, like, we birders, like, somehow seem to have set a bar where it's like, if you haven't, if you're not up here, you're not actually a birder. Yeah. And I, you know, and I, to me, that's ridiculous. It's, it's counterproductive. Um, I think if you enjoy birds, you're a birder, you know, yeah, um, absolutely. there's, there's a little bit of a difference, I guess, between say a bird watcher and a birder. Um, I've tried to make this argument in my other book that better birding, that, that birding is active, right? That you, that, it means that you are actually thinking, you know, what? I want to go see birds. Um, bird watching to me sounds more passive, like something that anybody, it, like I think most birders are bird watchers, but not all bird watchers are birders. Okay. Uh, if if there's any value to actually distinguishing between them, I'm not sure. But but to me, bird watching sounds more passive. Bird birding sounds like something that you want to do, and. But, you know, neither is better than the other. Um, they're both, you know, equally important and good in their own right. As long as people are enjoying birds, I think that's all that matters. If people want to get into it, and I think the best way is to find somebody that can kind of provide you a toehold and a window into it and set you off in the right direction. Uh, and I think any of us that have been birders for some time have had a mentor or even several mentors that kind of ushered us along our way and, and kind of lighted the way forward. Um, and if you find someone that you're comfortable learning from and talking to, that makes all the difference, you know? Um, and birders for the most part, especially those that lead walks tend to be pretty nice folks. Uh, might, might be eccentric, might be a little <laughs> strange, but overall, pretty nice people, I would say. The first time you hear someone pishing or, like, calling oh for owls God. in the woods is, is is a little, even, like, f even if you're, like, really trying to get into birding, like, actively, it's oh. it's really fucking funny. It's, I will uh, never forget, like, I, one of the first groups I had to lead, my, my, one of my professors at Penn said, George, we're going to do a field trip to Cape May. Would you mind kind of leading the way on... Uh, you know, with the, with the birding part of it, you know, we're going to go to the South Cape May Meadows and there'll be lots of birds and, you know, the students would really get off on this. And I was like, sure. And at one point we got someplace and I thought I was hearing like an orange crown warbler chip. I was like, that's either an orange crown warbler or a field sparrow chip. And I wonder, you know, which it is either way. I want to see it. And, uh, and so just reflexively, you know, having been doing this since nine, I start spishing. And of course the bird does not show. You know, you know, fishing, you're, you're usually kind of trying to cause like a, a mob scene a little bit like, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're trying to, it sounds like a scold basically. And you're trying to get on to pop up and look at you and say, what's, what's making all that sound. <laughs> but I was fishing away and I turned around and my fellow students are just looking at me like, what <laughs> in the, what in the world? are you doing George can you can you give us a phone pish right now oh my God. I actually I would love to hear what your what your what your pish is I gotta say I got a pretty good repertoire um I've heard it it's good now I give you I'll, I'll give you a little mix here I hope it comes through okay um I do I can't really do my screech out right now I usually I need like the proper 
um, mixture of like Gatorade and, <laughs> and, and, and potato chips to have the, oh, the nice. proper matrix of saliva to really get a good reach out. You yeah, well, yeah, that might work. Yeah, anything that gives you a little—you need like a little salt and a little sweet, and then you're off to the races. Um, but yeah, so I usually I, I, I do some screech owling, and but I also spish that you know kind of roughly imitates a wren or a vireo a scold note, and then I will mix in a squeak, and the squeak is often kind of the that's that's really the icing on the cake. Uh, and so I usually save that for, for last, but my typical <laughs> spish is just sort of like a, and I, I don't know if you can hear like the lips are going there a little bit, you know, it sounds like there's, there's some, some modulation there. And then the squeak, basically you're imitating something that sounds like a rodent in serious distress. So those are like a couple huh. of my main sounds. So was you know? was that one like the lip smack one, the the yeah, rodent that, squeak? Yeah, basically I got my my knuckles to my lips. Mm-hmm. And, um, okay, and right. I'm sort of yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I've seen people yeah. do that. I've yeah, I've, yeah. I've tried to do this many times okay. and failed miserably. I always wondered what that yeah. one was doing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. As, as you say, Sean, it's very difficult to look cool while you're fishing and squeaking. I've 100% I've given up on looking cool. I walk around my neighborhood staring up the trees. I know everybody just fucking thinks I'm a lunatic and that's okay. Yeah, we we do look crazy. There's just no two ways about it. That's part of the deal. But it's the kind of crazy that people are always like, hey man, what are you looking at? It's not the kind yeah. of crazy where they avoid me. They always want to know what the fuck I'm looking at. And it's always yeah. the same. It's like, oh, it's, you know, it's uh, there's an American Red Star up there. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and that's it. They just walk away. <laughs> but sometimes people grab my binoculars from me. And that's awesome. So, uh, like like you were saying, like, pass around, the, uh, pass around your scope and get people on a new bird, I think. That we, depends on where you're birding. That's true. Like, again, if, if, if you're in North Philly and someone grabs your, your scopes, you're probably... You yeah you're probably not going to see it again yeah It'll probably be the last year ever see that scope i think also because we're like i think it because it's obvious we are looking for something people always just feel like the need to help and you know like like i said i've been you know i'm 45 i've been doing this since i was nine i've been fdr park is like my favorite place to go and virtually every single time i go there i'm there like you know, from dawn for, for a couple hours and I'll run into someone. They'd be like, ah, you should have been here earlier. You, you know, yeah, <laughs> you would, you would have seen. And I'm like, I want to be like this I've been doing this a long time, <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, it's like somehow we like, I look, I've been doing this forever and yet I look helpless out there such <laughs> to the point that people are like, you should really go over there. Or you should have been here earlier. I feel like it doesn't matter what time you show up someplace or where or how long you've been birding. You show up and it's like six in the morning and somebody's going to say, oh, you should have been here earlier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Those pigeons, yeah. Those pigeons put on a good show. So. You should just maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe you just need to get something like, you know, get a canned response like on your phone. That's like the last yeah. 50 people that have told you you should have been here earlier and you just play it for them <laughs> for the next people. 
Uh, maybe I should start wearing that gun stock thing around more often. People right. just wouldn't talk to me at all. <laughs> no one will ever bother you again. So, <laughs> so real quickly before we um, before we start to wrap this up, uh, we were talking earlier about just you know ways to get people in, and since you're a Philly guy, maybe we can get some some Philly people out in the area. So I was going to ask you if there were um, when you were talking about mentors, are there uh, birding groups that you like in the city and um and what are your favorite haunts uh in in philly and the surrounding area yeah yeah um first of all we have something that is called bird philly birdphilly.org is the is the is the website um and we do free guided bird walks all over the city um, Fucking and they are really, Jesus. they've been, they've, we started this program. It's actually a, an initiative of, uh, our larger local bird club, the Delaware Valley Ornithological Club, which meets here in Philly at the Academy of Natural Sciences. It is actually, it's arguably the oldest bird club in the country. And we've been meeting at the Academy of Natural Sciences in Philly at the oldest natural history museum in the country for what, 125 years or something now. Um, so, uh, but bird Philly is really geared towards newcomers to people that are interested in kind of getting their feet wet. Uh, very often we actually have binoculars that people can borrow on those walks. Uh, and then at, at DVOC, which I have to enunciate clearly when I put that into voice to text, it comes back as deviancy. Uh, <laughs> DVOC is uh, has got really we've got some great you know talks twice a month where where anybody is welcome uh, at the Academy of Natural Sciences. So those are two groups: birdphilly.org, dvoc.org, um, that I'd recommend people check out. Uh, and nearby, there's Wincote Audubon. There's the Bird Club of Delaware County, uh, just outside of the city. Um, there's a bunch of Philly has such a great tradition in so many groups um, that. Um, there's really a lot of great windows into it, but of course I, you know, for people that are in the city, I'd strongly recommend birdsley.org. I usually lead a handful of trips there a year. Tony Crosdale, uh, him and I kind of started it and Tony, he leads a ton of trips annually and we have a bunch of other people that lead trips and everybody's friendly. You know, we just, we want people outside enjoying birds. That's all we really want. Mm. Maybe we could get a foul mouths field trip going. Foul mouths field trip. We'll go to, go to Philly and, do some birding in that Philly. That would be awesome. Yeah. Do like a meetup with get some people to show up and stuff like that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We can hit my brother's bar on the way. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Shout out that. to shout out to Atlantis the Lost Bar. Nice. In, uh, in Fishtown. Yeah. I I have another Sweet. I have another um I I can tie this all together in a way that Sean's going to hate. So, uh prior <laughs> prior to prior to Super Bowl 52. Uh, I got somehow this showed up, I think I was like just surfing Instagram or something. And it was the Delaware Highlands Conservancy. And it was uh, for uh, like Eagle Watch or it was something specifically about eagles. And I donated $52 because nice. it was Super Bowl 52 was coming up. And like. I specifically wrote in the note that they, they were like, you know, do you want to, you know, what is this for? I can't remember. It was some sort of comment field. And I wrote, um, I'm donating $52 so that it might help the Eagles win the Super Bowl. And <laughs> of course they did. Uh, Nick Foles MVP. And yep. <laughs> about, 
I, it, it had to be like maybe a month later, I get a note from, I'll have to dig it out. I get a note from somebody uh, from Delaware Highlands Conservancy that says, uh, Dear Scott, thank you so much uh, for your donation of $52. It seems like it was a really good investment <laughs> as the Eagles did actually win the Super Bowl. That's awesome. That's amazing. Uh, it was pretty good. I'll have to I'll have to take a snap of it and, and get it up online. Uh, so yeah. So shout out to Delaware Highlands Conservancy for for doing their part. Yeah, really. So yeah. Be- before we wrap up, before we let you go, there, I have I have two questions. Typically, we only have one last question, but I have two last questions. The first last question you, you can't have two last questions well, there will inevitably one be one last question i mean there's, i'm going there's a penultimate <laughs> question wow what's your penultimate question john well, i don't i'm gonna ask one and then i'm gonna ask the other <laughs> don't use your big words with me scott <laughs> the f- have you been to paisano's a and b yeah. have you had the liveracci wow Yes and no. Okay, so we're eating the Liberace when I when when I get there. So that's why. Is, is this as, is this as bad as it sounds? No, this is as good as it sounds. It's it sounds yeah. like liver crossed with Liberace. Well, I mean the name is yeah the play you picked up on that. That's good. I'm <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm really I'm glad that you picked up on that joke. What is, <laughs> it's, it's it's like, like a liver sandwich it's on a like piano? Fried chicken livers and like a, like. A whole bunch of you're like, eating birds. Presum- you're talking about eating birds on a birding podcast, Sean. Hey, man. It is what it is. <laughs> good is good. We'll Pick we'll pickled cerulean rod. brains. It's <laughs> mm. <laughs> just a that wouldn't even be good. A All cerulean right. warbler just be like that'd be like, that'd be worthless. Just crunchy. I'll, they're, they're my, way yeah. prettier. I'll hit at. the Abbey and I'll I'll get the uh, the vegan cheesesteak while I'm in town. Oh, sounds good. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, the the last question, the real, real, real last question, um, before everything ends is, uh, I re- <laughs> before, before the world ends. Sorry, George, you were the last guest in the whole world. Um, Ivory build woodpecker. Is it alive? Is it fucking dead? Is there? Is this like the Mothman prophecies or some weird fucking myth? Yeah. What do we, What do you think okay, about man. the ivory? Yeah, I think that the ivory-billed woodpecker is gone from the continental U.S. We are too. I think it could, if it persists anywhere, it could conceivably be in Cuba. Although the ones that are in Cuba, they argue, are probably a different species, were or are a different species. I don't think there has been a legit sighting in the U.S. You know for decades like that awful awful grainy video that i still don't believe is actually a real bird i don't believe that yeah i don't i don't believe that video depicts a an ivory build woodpecker look that Um, one looked like paper mache yeah no that was a that was a tough time that was yeah i mean it's like this divisive divisive thing the ivory build woodpecker of 2004 really amazing yeah. Um, but yeah, I was, I was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a skeptic by nature. I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, show me the, you know, prove it. And I, I want to be amazed. I want to be astounded, but I want to know that I'm really looking at something that is truly amazing, truly astounding. And I just always felt a little funny about that one. It, you know, me and my father were banned from speaking about ivory-billed woodpeckers at our family gatherings because. <laughs> 
because <laughs> he was very pro and I was very <laughs> skeptical. And eventually my, my sisters and my mom and everybody else were just like, shut up, guys. We're not talking about this anymore. That's po- so funny. Politics it's like, are on the table. Right. Politics, religion, and the ivory-billed woodpecker <laughs> are all for Exactly. Yep. Oh, God. That's funny. Well, that's two for two. That's two guests in a row that say, nah. All right. What about this? If if somebody said, hey, man, want to take a canoe trip? <laughs> <laughs> would right. you go looking for the ivory-billed woodpecker just cruising around in florida you're gonna see some other cool stuff is, well, it, worth the, is I, it worth a shot if someone if someone said hey want to go do a canoe trip i'd say i'd probably say sure uh, provided you know the eagles aren't playing or you know there's not something <laughs> else going on i'd probably say sure but i if someone said hey let's go look for the ivory-billed woodpecker i'd say you're on your own noted Done. All right, so I'll keep that in keep mind. It to yourself. <laughs> I'm just really glad to hear you like canoeing, George. <laughs> well, this has been awesome, George. Thank you so much yeah, um, for being so generous with your with your time and your anecdotes and your stories. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna come to Philly and go birding with you. And um, if you uh, find yourself in Connecticut, we've got. We've got beers and and good patches and uh, good times. So come on, that sounds like a deal. Yeah, you man. guys, we sh- you guys should come here. We'll do a birding and food tour of Philly, and then I'll come there and we'll do the same. Yeah, nice. absolutely. Oh, and last thing, real quick. Um, do you have any um, Do you have any social accounts you want to plug? Uh, probably just uh, I would you know probably encourage folks to check my Instagram, which is. Uh, my last name with the ch in front of it, such that it comes out Charmistead. <laughs> of course, I'd be, rem- yeah, it was old old nickname from years ago, and and I probably would would uh, encourage folks also to to check the Rock Jumper Instagram as well, because uh, I I kind of manage both. Well, man, yeah. like we said, thank you so much, and uh, I think you still have time to go birding, so you should go outside. Yeah, get out there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna hit Independent Small. It was great talking to you guys. Beautiful. Really thanks so much. Appreciate it. Yeah. Right. Thanks so much. All take right. Thanks. Bye, bye, George. All right. Take care. Thanks once again to George for talking with us. Check out Rock Jumper Birding Tours at RockJumperBirding.com, and if you're in the Philadelphia area, definitely check out BirdPhilly.org and the Delaware Valley Ornithological Club at DVOC.org. You can find Foul Mouth's podcast on Facebook and Twitter, but honestly, we update our Instagram more often. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever else you might get your podcast. If you really enjoy the show, leave us a review on iTunes. It helps others find out about us. And if you take great bird photos and want to see them featured in our posts or future episodes, just tag them with hashtag foulmouthphotos. Thank you to Jesse Gordon and Christian Tompkins for tagging us. We'll be back in two weeks. In the meantime, get the fuck out and bird!